The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show this beautiful and very summer-ish Wednesday afternoon here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we navigate around and through the issues of the day that affect you and me right here in uh, our piece of the pie in the state of California. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Again, uh, joining the Mike Douglas Show here 3 to 5 p.m. is one of the joys of my weekdays. I just so much appreciate the interaction with you and uh, your willingness and ability to rationally and reasonably and, and respectfully talk about the issues of the day. So thank you so much for carving out this time to be with us 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been keeping an update and an eye for updates on what's happening with that case up in Sacramento, the shooting that occurred on Sunday. We're going to uh, get an update on that investigation from Sacramento PD in just a few moments. And then uh, related statements from Stanislaus County Sheriff Jeff Dirksy that he posted on Facebook today and also a press release from Stanislaus District Attorney Birgit Flatiger from her office on the dangers of the state's early release policies that uh, they have uh, effected for us under the banner of dealing with COVID-19. All right, the coffee mug is full, the coffee is hot, so are the topics. Let's get rolling, shall we? First of all, Sacramento Police Department, and again, this tragic shooting that occurred Sunday uh, after about 2 o'clock in the morning. Officer Zach Eaton has a current update. Remember, uh, left six people dead, 12 wounded. Here's Officer Zach Eaton with an update today. Five shooters included two groups where there was an exchange of gunfire between the two groups. We would like to confirm at this time that this shooting is gang related. I don't think any of us are real surprised about that, uh, given about the uh, amount of shells that were found, the empty casings on the ground, and the fact that there apparently were so many shooters Certainly uh, sounded like a, a gang issue uh, to many of us. I'm sure you were possibly thinking that way as well. And uh, just a reminder, if you're up in the Sacramento area, if you're in that uh, downtown area, Officer Eaton still encouraging the public on behalf of Sacramento PD to report anything suspicious, especially in that area. We will continue to have a lot of downtown resources in that core area. Um, We encourage the community that if they see something that just doesn't feel right, to please call us. We have officers down there that are going to be willing and ready to respond. Again, it's been interesting to watch. Three arrests so far. Two of them are brothers, uh, one not. Uh, But the two uh, brothers uh, that were arrested, they uh, are not being charged with any of the murders, nor is the uh, third person of interest either. Uh, they uh, they apparently all had weapons at one time or another uh, around uh, the area of the shooting, or at least the time frame. But what's uh, interesting to me is that none of the three who have been arrested apparently yet 
have been linked to the shooting. Again, Officer Eden uh, telling us this afternoon that they're not elaborating on the gang ties or the nature of the dispute, but apparently they have video evidence so far that shows an exchange of gunfire, and it took place at least between two groups of men. They say detectives working the case are receiving a steady flow of information from the public. That's good. They've processed nearly 200 videos, photographs, and other pieces of evidence uh, that they're studying. Again, a dozen people were also injured in in addition to the uh, six people who tragically died in that shooting. Stanislaus County Sheriff Jeff Dirksy posted today, and his post is in relation to the uh, subject number two, the second person that was arrested, Smiley Martin. He is the brother of the first person who was arrested. Uh, This post from Stanislaus County Sheriff uh, Jeff Dirksy today says, actions have consequences. The parole board released one of the suspects, and he's referring to Smiley Martin, released one of the suspects in the Sacramento shooting despite the vehement objections of law enforcement. How many more examples, the sheriff's writes, do we need to change change failed and dangerous policies that are costing innocent lives? And he wisely says, and I I am fully behind him on this, Sheriff Dirksy says, This is not a gun issue. It's a people issue. Amen, Sheriff. Agree with you 100%. He goes on to say people who commit crimes need to go to prison and be held accountable, not released under failed policies. And this is one of the things that we're dealing with in terms of, I would say, failed policies related to COVID-19. Because the the state Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation is looking to make permanent regulations that were enacted during our COVID era that are going to result in early releases of thousands of violent offenders, so-called nonviolent second strikers. So Stanislaus County District Attorney Birgit Flatiger is saying the CDCR, that's the uh, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, must hold a public comment period before the regulations become permanent. CDCR must consider and address all comments made. Now, you and I often talk about what can be done. What should we do? What can we do in response to a lot? the nonsensical, illogical public policy that we seem to be pummeled with here in the state of California on a regular basis. We'll set aside a lot of the ridiculous policies coming from Washington, D.C. We'll set that aside for the moment. Let's just deal with California, which affects you and me directly. Uh, District Attorney Birgit Flatiger, Santa Claus County, says under the proposed regulations, CDCR wants to reduce prison sentences already imposed by judges by increasing credits awarded on those sentences. Now, in the past, we've gone into the percentages. I don't want to go into that detail at the moment, but just to give you an example from 
D.A. Birgit Flatiger's letter here. She says, for example, on a 10-year sentence, an individual could be released after having served only three years and four months. So there you go. On a 10-year sentence, an individual could be released after having served only three years and four months. And she she goes on to say, a felon in possession of a firearm with a prior violent felony conviction will serve less than half his sentence. What would you like to say to the California Department of Corrections Rehabilitation about their proposal to make this pandemic strategy permanent? To be able to take an individual with a 10-year sentence and release him or her after having only served three years and four months, less than half the sentence. Or a felon in possession of a firearm with a prior violent felony conviction to serve less than half his sentence. Choices have consequences, and I'm afraid one of the problems in California is choices no longer have consequences. So the CDCR has had these regulations in place for 10 months as emergency measures. Now there's a hearing that they have to hold, and the public comment period ends on April 13. That is not too far away And all of us may submit written comments about the proposed regulations. If you'd like to email me, I'll send you the email or the mailing address. If you want to do it by snail mail, we can do that too. I will send you that information. My email is mikeon1360 at gmail.com. Again, that's mikeon1360 at gmail.com. And uh, we'll discuss the CDCR policy to try to make these lenient sentencing provisions permanent coming up in just a few moments. Before we get there, I want to remind you about real estate, selling your home. I don't know about you. I have to go to an expert. I've learned that the hard way. It takes an expert to help. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking of my own home and all the repairs that might have to do might have to be done. Well, I call the agent I trust if I need information on selling a house. His name is Dan Phipps. His proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or for full market value, he will sell it for free. Isn't that an amazing offer? His home and selling program are designed to maximize your sales price. You remain in complete control. I love this. No long-term contracts, no required costly repairs. You pick your move date, and Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Ronald in Modesto says he was retiring, moving out of state. He already had a home lined up to live in, but he needed to sell his current home as fast as possible at top dollar in order to afford his move. Now, his problem was his home needed costly repairs and updates, but Ronald says he talked to Dan Phipps, and Dan assured him that he could get it done, and Dan did it big time, says Ronald. Dan sold his home in days at the top price and for his area with no costly repairs. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and I'd hire him to sell my home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-840-6378, or go to danphipps.com. 
That's Dan Phipps with three P's, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360-K-F-I-V. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360-K-F-I-V. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show as we think about this policy by the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation to extend and make permanent their COVID-19 era policy of reducing sentences of uh, folks that are currently incarcerated. Uh, this, uh, this affects you and me in, a, in an incredible way, my friends. The question is, how do you respond to this part, uh, policy? What would you like to say to the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation? Our number here, 209 if you would like, and I am, I'm going to email them my response. If you would like to email your response, email me, mikeon1360 at gmail.com, mikeon1360 at gmail.com. I will send you the email address of the CDCR, the Department of uh, uh, Corrections and Rehabilitation, and you can make your voice known. We have to do it before April 13. Uh, you can also uh, write a letter and send it snail mail if you wish. They'll accept that. I'm not going to give the addresses uh, here on the air. It's just going to take too long. So email me. I'll give you all the information at mikeon1360 at gmail.com, mikeon1360 at gmail.com. What uh, really struck me from Brigitte Flatiger, the district attorney for Stanislaus County, what what really struck me were her two examples of how this policy works. And, and, and we know that one of the uh, subjects has been arrested up in Sacramento, Smiley Martin. He was supposed to be in prison. Uh, he got an early release. So he got out of jail early. And here he is the uh, morning of the incident, apparently brandishing a weapon on social media. And uh, he was one of the people that was shot, believe it or not currently in the hospital, as far as I know, but uh, in police custody, nonetheless. And so we're, we're dealing with this issue time and time and time again. Not too long ago, uh, Sacramento uh, DA uh, and Marie Schubert put out uh, an example, four or five examples of, of people who have been released early and have gone on to commit terrible crimes. So we need to make our voice known, and I want to let you make your voice known now, 209-551-3483. Let's go to the phones. Uh, John and Brentwood. John, what do you think about Smiley and those who are being released early? Hey, Mike, still a little bit of my thunder. So I was going to touch on, uh, he had the Smiley character, has an extensive criminal record dating back, I think, to 2012. And in 2018, he was sentenced to 10 years for um, extensive domestic violence and battery. I guess he beat the crap out of his girlfriend, dragged her by the hair outside, and then whipped her with a belt. And he was sentenced to 10 years. And here it is, less than four years later, 
and he's back on the streets again. That is absolutely so they need correct. To, yeah, they need to uh, – this, this releasing early stuff, like we talked about yesterday, they're going in the opposite direction, and uh, it's, it's, not, it's not helping anybody. They are going in the opposite direction, and the problem is it's, uh, it's the DAs, uh, in addition to the California, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, it's some problematic DAs like George Goscone in L.A. and uh, Chase Bodine in, in San Francisco. And you're right on the money with your uh, history there, John, absolutely. Uh, Smiley Martin has an incredible record, and yes, he did. Uh, he he did some terrible things, not only and not only uh, to his girlfriend. Turns out, uh, according to my reports, that he actually uh, was working as a pimp for her as well. That he was uh, engineering her, uh, providing sex to others, and uh, very very violent. And so again, I'm all for rehabilitation, John, but apparently it's not working real well. And the answer no, and is not to release them back into the community. Exactly. And there are some people that are never going to be rehabilitated. They're just, they're never going to be a, anything to society, but a detriment. And, and they just need to be locked up for good. You do that two or three times. You need to be locked up and thrown, have the key thrown away. And you just need to live your life there because there's innocent people keep getting hurt and killed because these people are supposedly, rehabilitated and and they did this or now they have good time and they're out and and a lot of them are not rehabilitatable they're just they're just going to be garbage and they're going to be garbage forever and i and i i hate to say it it's cruel but well and I, I think there's a lot of truth in that john there are some who can be rehabilitated there are others for who whatever reason that have a, a demonstrated history of of not of not being able to function well in society. John, thanks for the call. Really appreciate that. John from uh, Brentwood uh, making some uh, salient points there and, and talking about this character, Smiley Martin, who, uh, whose brother was arrested first in connection in some tangential way to the shooting up in, uh, up in Sacramento. Uh, his brother, Martin, uh, had pled guilty to a robbery, uh, was sentenced to two years in state prison. Uh, this was back in, what, uh, November 2013, I think, as John pointed out. And uh, then uh, there's an incident that led to the 10-year prison sentence that John talked about. Uh, he forced his way into his girlfriend's home. He located her hiding in a bedroom closet, hit her repeatedly with a closed fist, about her face, head, and body causing visible injuries. He then dragged her out of the home by her hair to an awaiting car. After he put her in the car, he assaulted her with a belt. And then they say during the investigation, information was gathered that the victim had been working as a prostitute and that Martin, Smiley Martin, had been assisting and encouraging her to be a prostitute. Why in the world is this guy out? Why in the world is he out? Uh, if you remember, this was oh, uh, about a year ago, 44 district attorneys in California uh, wrote a letter and uh, to, uh, to ask for an, an injunction against this early uh, release program. 
And uh, <clears throat> DAs have written a letter to the parole board as well, uh, saying they're going to sue the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitations because they believe that these policies are going to result in the early release of 76,000 inmates statewide. Will all of them be as twisted as Smiley Martin, apparently? No, but many will. We know that, one of John's points. And, in fact, um, D.A. Schubert up in Sacramento had, uh, when, when she wrote a letter to the Department of of uh, corrections and rehabilitation said as shown by inmate martin's pattern of conduct he's an assaultive and non-compliant individual which you were talking about john and has absolutely no regard for his victims who are left in the wake of numerous serious offenses she went on to say he has no respect for others for law enforcement or for the law if he is now this is prophetic if he is released early he will continue to break the law. Well, obviously, he did. And again, friends, if you'd like information on how to respond to the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation about this policy that they want to make permanent, email me, Mike, on 1360 at gmail.com. I'll give you all the details, the email, and the mailing address as well. Again, my email, Mike, on 1360 at gmail.com. And uh, be happy to give you the information. Uh, I, I encourage, I never tell you what to do. I just encourage us to respond, especially to this particular policy, which we have already seen is um, having violent effects already. Talk more about that and also talk about a, a dumb policy in Palm Springs, in my opinion. Coming up in five minutes on the Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360, KFIV. Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation, and there's much to converse about. Uh, these days, uh, been talking about the uh, shooting up in Sacramento. Again, six people killed, 12 injured uh, early, early Sunday morning. Uh, three people arrested, but apparently having uh, nothing to do directly uh, yet uh, to have a direct connection with uh, the murders of those six people. Uh, however, Sacramento PD telling us they do believe or they know at this point it is a a gang shooting uh, between two groups. So uh, there we are. And we've also been talking about the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation wanting to make permanent a policy of uh, reducing sentences by a long shot where, uh, for example, a person with a 10 year sentence for serious crimes will serve less than half of that. And uh, so again, uh, just a reminder, April 13th, is the deadline for the public comment uh, to the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation about this policy. District, District Attorney Brigid Flatiger in uh, Stanislaus County encouraging all of us to write in. I am going to. I'm going to email uh, the department tonight. If you would like uh, the address to do that, the email address and or 
the uh, snail mail address, uh, email me, mike on 1360 at gmail.com. Be happy to send that to you. I'm looking at a story, and, and when I first looked at it, I thought this, this must be a leftover from April Fool's Day. As you know, I don't engage in that, uh, especially on the radio. I, you know, I go, I, I, always in the back of my mind, I go back, <laughs> I go back to the War of the Worlds. Remember, what was that, 1930-something? And uh, the drama on radio and people actually thought that we were in, being invaded by, by Martians. Radio was a, a powerful tool, and so I don't trifle with radio, and so I don't do April Fool stuff. Although I remember back when I was a, a teenager in my 1973 duster with the radio pumped up with my subwoofers cruising down Colorado Boulevard uh, on April Fool's uh, that as I was going to uh, college that morning, uh, I, I heard uh, our Kenny our Bopper station, I think it was K-Earth 101, and for April Fool's they went all news. And people were irate. Apparently, they were getting called, and they pulled it off excellently. I mean, they, they did a full news program for, uh, oh, I don't know, hours. And uh, anyway, pulled off a big Anyway, so I thought that this story I'm about to relate to you was an April Fool's joke. Sadly, it's not. Dateline, Palm Springs, California. Transgender residents in Palm Springs are eligible to receive up to $900 per month for solely identifying as transgender or non-binary, no strings attached. He pauses for a few seconds to let that sink in. A new pilot program in Palm Springs This is one uh, that was approved by unanimous vote by the Palm Springs City Council last week. The new pilot program has $200,000 set aside for this project. Former San Diego Councilman Carl DeMeo, he's a Republican who served as the first openly gay member of the City Council, he calls the program outrageous and discriminatory. DeMeo says we're completely opposed to guaranteed or universal basic income programs. This is what this is, a UBI, they call it, a universal basic income program. He says because they ultimately cause inflation and raise the cost of living on everyone, they don't work. But he goes on to say, but at least some of them have minimum income requirements to qualify, whereas this one is no strings attacked, woke virtue signaling, to the LGBT community in a way that is not only offensive but discriminatory. And this is uh, a man who's openly gay saying this is absolutely ridiculous. So this is the deal. 20 transgender and non-binary, you know, non-binary, you're either a man or a woman, right? That's the way God created us, man and woman. Now, if you or someone else wants to identify and think they are something else, that's fine. That is your issue. But um, to receive 
up to $900 a month just because you identify as transgender or non-binary? Good night. Have we lost our minds? Really? So between this and the shooting, we need some common sense coming back to California. Let's go up to Jamestown. Maybe there's a lot of common sense in Jamestown. Let's find out from Mike. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hello, Mike. Thank you for having me. Um, been driving down the road here, listening to what you had to say and trying to make some sense of it all. So in our society today, we have cops that are being arrested for doing their job. Uh, there's been a couple instances where they got, got by with what, more than what they should have. But since they're going to be held responsible for that, I think that the victims of these people that got killed in Sacramento should be able to go to the California Department of Corrections or whoever released this gentleman into, back into society. I think the victim's family should be able to go to, the, to, the, to that board or to the parole board or whoever released him and be able to sue them and maybe file charges against them. Because if they're not going to hold the criminal accountable, we have to find somebody that's re- responsible for what's happened here. And I think that would be a, be a good, good place to start. Mike, I like your thinking. I really do. I think so many times we look at uh, the state telling us what we can and cannot do, and we're under threat of, uh, of penalties for this and that, and uh, the society is so ho- so happy. Like, I agree. I think we as the public ought to be able to start suing public officials for ridiculous and harmful decisions. I'm with you 100% on that. I I, uh, I would love to see that. Mike, great thought. Appreciate your call today. Um, Mike from Jamestown having some common sense there. I, I agree with him. I, there has to be some form of accountability. Well, Mike, there's accountability for public officials. We can vote them out of, the, out of office. No, not really. It is very hard to get incumbents out of office. And in this uh, state of California, very, very difficult uh, to have some common sense results. When we've done it, when we have voted on propositions, either the legislature or the courts have uh, turned those around. And so we keep hitting the brick walls. But again, you know my theme on this. I believe we have to keep standing up for what's true and appropriately pushing back. And in the case of uh, this issue with these, what, 76,000 people uh, potentially being released from prison because of the existing COVID-19 policy, this is irrational. It's, It's not logical. What in the world is the state of California thinking? So when we have those windows of opportunity, you may say, well, Mike, I I don't, I'm not going to take this. It's not going to do any good for me to send an email or, write a letter to Sacramento. Listen, we have the opportunity. The the door is open. And when people I respect, and I respect DA, uh, District Attorney Birgit Flatiger here in uh, Stanislaus County and DA uh, Schubert up in Sacramento, I respect them very, very much. I, I think they are very smart women. They're very good at what they do. And they have a lot of common sense. So when we have an open door to respond, I think it's important for us to do that. And again, if you'd like information on how to respond, my email is mikeon1360 at gmail.com, mikeon1360 at gmail.com. 
What else? I, I, again, I, I like this idea of being able to sue public officials for what I would say are, are negligent decisions. Will we ever get there? Probably not. The, the system will protect itself. So what do we do? What do you think we should do? Palm Springs, California. Here's another thing. The city of Palm Springs apparently is going to be using taxpayer money to give up to $900 a month to transgender or non-binary people or people identifying that way with no strings attached. Apparently, all you have to do is apply and say, I am transgender and or non-binary, and I'd like $900 a month. This is, is the word insane too strong? So think of what's happening with the California Department of of rehabilitation, of corrections and rehabilitation. Think of an example here of what's happening in, in Palm Springs. Public money, public money, being in, if it's nonprofit money, if it's private money, that's up to the nonprofit. That's up to the private individual. That's up to them. I believe freedom works all the way around. This is not. This is a city, a municipality saying if you're transgender or non-binary, if you identify that way, if you're chosen, we'll, we'll send you up to $900 a month. Let's say you and I live in Palm Springs. What can we do to rise up against this and announce the fact that this is illogical, it is discriminatory, and in the case of the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, their decisions are dangerous. What, are, what else do you think we can do? Our number here, 209-551-3483. Area code 209-551-3483. Palm Springs Mayor Lisa Middleton, by the way, is transgender. And she says, uh, this, is, this is interesting. She pointed uh, to a transcript from the city council's March 24 meeting where she quote expressed strong reservations in general to guaranteed income programs. She says, I specifically stated, I did not believe such programs could scale up to adequately respond to the, to cover uh, over 37 million Americans living below the poverty line. So even the mayor apparently spoke uh, at, at least some apprehensive words about this. But apparently this is uh, coming down the pike. A couple of news agencies tried to contact the Palm Springs City Council, at least Fox News did, and they didn't respond. So again, my friends, what do you think? What do we do? 209-551-3483. Just as a reminder, I believe a tipping point is coming not only for California, but the nation in November of 2022. 2022, November, not that long away. And my encouragement is, if you feel strongly about any of these issues, whether it's releasing these parolees early or releasing these uh, inmates early, or it's dealing with giving public money to people 
just because they say they're transgender or, quote, non-binary? Have we gone insane? Well, November 2022 is approaching, and that's the time that we need to make our voices heard at the ballot box. Our number here, 209-551-3483. We'll continue with your phone calls in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, creature, friend, it's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas with you here on Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. We're talking about public officials and their decisions, elected officials and their decisions running amok. What do we do? How do we respond to it? What are they thinking? Our number here, 209-551-3483. Let's go to Oakdale and Kathleen. Kathleen, what do you think about what our public officials are thinking? I think they're thinking that a sooner a sooner release is better than a later release, and that a sooner be in the convict's control is better, and that they be sentenced to earning credits and not be sentenced to years, and that they uh, sent the sentence be to toil using their senses, in other words, using their heart, using the manual transmission, not the automatic, and uh, then. Uh, that there be active and constant vetting a fake for a fake uh, earning of credits because that is uh, really where the problem is in the system right now is that, in fact, I know of plenty of women who have been beaten by plenty of men the same way that this uh, Smiley Martin beat uh, his girlfriend, and but they did it apparently in the 80s and 90s. And so they never went to prison, but they also faked earning credits so that they would never uh, face charges. They were allowed to earn credits, uh, counseling, uh, especially Christian counseling. Um, and, and then and these same men went on to commit um, uh, child pornography. So they're in the uh, federal radar more than they are in the federal uh, criminal radar than they are through the state uh, radar because they are uh, child sex crimes, child sex exploitation, as well as uh, child pornography. Kathleen, let me me back up. Excuse me for interrupting. Let me back up just for a moment. So, uh, and I got your point. I like the idea about vetting, uh, fake earning of credits. Uh, But so... In, in summary of your, of your point, are you a proponent of, do you feel that appropriate early releases are something you would like to see or, or not? Absolutely, because I am okay. terrified of, 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 of uh, these men being released from prison um, after spending uh, a full 10 years. I, I, I'm all for okay. them. I, uh, I, I'm all hang, for the hang, death penalty. I'm all for right. the death penalty on these cases. Hang on, hang on just a second, Kathleen. I'm going to put you on with – we're going to get a party line going here. I'm going to put you on with another caller, uh, Walker from Modesto. Walker, what, what's your point of view on that? And uh, I also have Kathleen on the line with you. Well, 
Don't need to let nobody out early. In fact, they've talked about Gavin Newsom several times where he let several people out. This guy's garbage. He goes to baseball games with big stars and never wears a mask. He goes to dinners in Napa. He's one of the worst. And he's related to Pelosi, Josh Harder, all these jackasses. I just moved here in the Modesto two and a half years ago. And these guys are all monarchs. That's what they are. They're part of the system where they all try to get in there and earn big-time retirement. That's what they do. And they're all garbage. They're garbage. All right, so you're you're in favor of uh, keeping him in, in prison for the yes. full term. Put him, okay. put him in the desert, the desert prison. Put open up, open up the bay again. Put him on that island, on the rock. Yeah, uh, or the desert, but not in Palm Springs, uh, because right there, no, they, no, they no. because they could get two hundred dollars. Oh I heard that too. That, that's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Somebody's so uh, Captain, trying to get nine hundred dollars from people that don't even know what they are. Uh, yeah, Male absolutely. Or yeah. Yeah. Kathleen, thanks. Uh, thanks for your position. Uh, we heard her out. I like Kathleen's point about the fact that uh, we need to, if if we're going to do early releases, and she would rather see that than people in uh, for ten years and then being released and being more violent. Uh, and uh, Walker saying nope. Nope, let's uh, keep them away from the public uh, in desert or back, <laughs> back, on, uh, back on the island in San Francisco Bay. Let's uh, thank you both for, uh, for your thoughts on that, Walker and Kathleen. Let's uh, go to uh, Turlock and Joe. Joe, what's, uh, what's your thoughts regarding public policy and how we make our voices known? Well, I think those ones that don't know whether they're a boy or a girl, they need to ask 5,000 people to go down to the city and apply for that $900 so it'll break the city. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, apparently, uh, Joe, my understanding is they only have a certain amount of dollars. My question, Joe, is how did they arrive at at, at the concept that you can use public dollars and give them with no strings attached to people uh, because of their gender preference? And, and you're, I'm, I'm thinking, Joe, but a lot of people, why don't you descend upon Palm Springs and say, hey, today I'm identifying as transgender and or non-binary. I'd like to apply for the $900. Maybe that would take care of the problem, Joe. What do you think? Well, there's, there's a lot of people that go to Palm Springs and just try to steal the holes off the golf course. That's how stupid people are. All right, Joe, thanks for your call. Appreciate that uh, very much. So I'm, I'm picking up a lot of frustration uh, with what we're dealing uh, with in terms of public policy. We will continue this conversation after the top of the hour. We have to check in with national and local news, weather and traffic. After that, we'll be back and we'll continue the conversation at 209-551-3483. As the Mike Douglas Show continues here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And you know what? I've got one more minute to go. Uh, let me, let me, Mike and Manteca, going to go to you very quickly, sir. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? Well, you were talking about, uh, you know, releasing prisoners and early release. I think a lot of it is financial. Uh, I have some friends in, in uh, corrections that were doing administrative work. They've since retired, but years ago they, they were telling me that uh, it costs about $60,000 a year to house a prisoner or an inmate, a lifer, in the state of California. 
they were even getting into at one point uh, shipping these customers to uh, or prisoners to uh, like uh, Arkansas, Alabama, Louisiana, and they could get it for half price there, and they would house prisoners out there. But I was just right. thinking, all, you know, all, we, we all about saving money, Mike. I've got to go. Thanks for your call. Appreciate that. Back in five minutes on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. Our number two on this very summerish Wednesday here in California's Central Valley. Thanks so much for joining us and thank you for being willing to share your minds and your hearts and your voices as we are live and local talking about the issues of the day that directly affect you and me right here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we tackle a lot of these issues. One of the issues we've been talking about is uh, the California Department of uh, Corrections and Rehabilitation wanting to make permanent a policy that they are using the pandemic for, and that is to release folks early based upon credits. And uh, DAs like uh, D.A. Schubert up in Sacramento, D.A. Uh, Flatiger in Stanislaus County are saying, no, 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 no. We've seen horrible results of this. And we use the example of uh, good old Smiley up there, Smiley Martin up in Sacramento, one of the, the uh, persons of interest that has been arrested in connection with the shooting up there, uh, the death of six people and uh, the wounding of 12 others. And Sacramento PD telling us likely a gang issue between uh, two gangs. And he was in jail and got released early, and now he's all part of it. Uh, So there's just an example of the potential dangers. Let's see what you think about public officials and the decisions they're making, especially as it relates to the release of uh, people in jail early. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Uh, let's go to Modesto and Gus. Gus, thanks for holding. Welcome to the show. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts is that they uh, should not be released. Uh, I think the problem is is that, uh, you know, they commit a crime and they go to prison and let them out and then come back. Okay. And I believe the reason for that is because the way – that they treat them in jail is better than they treat probably you and me at home. Okay. I used to work for, for a communication company and I went to do a job at Santa Rita jail up in Pleasanton. When I walked place, that was the cleanest place I ever seen. Probably cleaner than a school or a hospital. Okay. I have to have a guard with me at all times. Uh, he was telling me that the prisoners eat very well. Uh, he showed me where the they, the prisons, you know, the cells that they have in there. It was like glass cells. You could see where, you know, the bunks and everything. And it was clean, spotless. And he said that, he says, the TV room is over here. And he showed it to me. And he says, if they break a TV, they got to have it back in 24 hours. Really? So, you know, yeah, I'm not kidding. So why would you want to go outside and work where you can be in jail, feed you, and take care of you right there? And, you know, that's the problem. 
they should do it like uh, Sheriff Arpaio did up in Arizona. Put them in cells, in, in tents, out in the desert, feed them bologna sandwiches, stuff like that. That would make you not to want to go back. You know, Gus, that's, that's my feeling. Yeah, I, I gotcha. And and I agree with you on, on many levels there. And I am I am not opposed to reasonable and effective rehabilitation programs. I'm not opposed to that at all. However, uh, Gus, when people have uh, been in and out of prison, in and out, in and out, in and out, when the recidivism rate be, uh, becomes part of their lives, and, and you know what happens, Gus, for many, is that they are used to the street culture. They get into jail and or prison, and they're subjected to a high degree of structure and, as you say, uh, certain things that they benefit from. They get out on the street again. What do they do? They Many go back to their own neighborhoods. They go back to their own uh, uh, neighbors, the, the people they pal around with, uh, the hood, so to speak, and they begin to uh, go back to uh, their, their old ways. And so, Gus, something in our process is not working when it comes to rehabilitation. And I think the, the main thing I'm hearing today is releasing folks early doesn't solve that problem. Gus, don't you think that that just creates more problem for society? Yeah, it does. But like I said, also, you know, you release them early because supposedly they're, uh, uh, what do you call it, rehabilitated. But they know that if they go back, they're going to go to, a you know, like a hotel where they get served for everything. Mm-hmm. So there's no incentive to stop doing what you're doing because you know where you're going to be going and you know what kind of life you're going to have there. You know, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. If you're in prison, That's, you're in uh, prison, period. Yeah, some some great points, Gus. Thanks so much for calling and, and uh, lending your voice to this. Uh, Gus and, and uh, some of our other callers, Mike, Kathleen, Mike, John, uh, some good points. It brings to mind um, a program, and I mentioned this before, that I was part of through Advancing Vibrant Communities uh, early on. And uh, it's no longer in, in effect, but it was run by a state parole agent uh, named Wayne. And uh, it, was, it was called PACT, P-A-C-T, and I think it was Parole and Community Together. I may have the acronym wrong. Anyway, what we did was as, as uh, people were being release, released from prison, they were required as part of their parole to come to this meeting. At this meeting, a lot of us in the community gathered together, and there were nonprofits like ours. Uh, there were uh, uh, nonprofits dealing with uh, food, where they can obtain food if they need it. Uh, even uh, Social Security was there. I believe representatives from the Department of Motor Vehicles were there. And uh, even uh, there were representatives there from the county if the inmate uh, being released owed child support. There was somebody there who could help them arrange child support uh, and, and, and teach them what all the hoops are that they have to jump through, how to get connected and such. It was very interesting to watch. The community did everything possible to provide the folks and the male and female coming out of prison with an opportunity for the, to partner with the community to re-enter society and and be successful in life. 
And that, I think, those kinds of things are worthy, but they only work as long as grants hold out or as long as the, the champions are there to do it. And uh, But once the grant money runs out or once the champion that is uh, leading the charge on that goes away, uh, the programs fade out. And so I think one of the problems that we have is our failure as a society, especially here in California, to provide effective, efficient, and sustainable methods of rehabilitation. And uh, I think maybe it was, was Gus that, that mentioned it. Not everybody is going to succeed. Many, many people are not. They, they have, many have become career criminals. I've, I've interviewed many of them. And while there may be a desire to reenter society and leave their old ways behind, it is far easier said than done. I'd be curious if anyone within our listening audience here, are you connected with anyone, either personally or familiarly, uh, with uh, anyone who has been incarcerated? What was their experience? Was there an opportunity for rehabilitation? Did it work? If it did, what worked? What were the things that worked? What were the things that did not work? Be interested to hear if you have any personal relationships with folks who may have gone through uh, a release from prison or jail and gone through a rehabilitation program. What worked? What didn't work? Our phone number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. And the Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes. Here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Thank you so much for joining us here on Power Talk. 1560-AFIV. Looking forward to very much the next two phone calls because now we get to hear from people who have personal experience. Again, very much looking forward to what you have, uh, what you have to say. First, let's go to Frank and Modesto. And uh, Frank, looking forward to, to your perspectives. And now you have worked or are working in the uh, correction system? Yeah, California State Prison. Actually, yeah. Uh, prison hospital facility and uh, it's got a regular prison yard there too so frank what's, say, what's your perspective on this i would say well like unlike what the previous caller said they don't parole them to hotel uh they're paroled either to a halfway house or residential treatment center uh those kind of places and if they want to stay there very long they eventually have to get jobs and pay rent uh, they don't parole them back to their old neighborhood. Uh, they use, they, they're not that stupid. They parole them somewhere where they feel like they'll be, have a chance uh, to get reintegrated into society. I now, teach, frankly, uh, just, the, just so we understand, are we talking here about a state um, prison state. system, local yeah. jails, fed, state? Okay, thank you. And uh, they... I teach cognitive behavioral therapy, which is, you know, life skills, which helps them get uh, integrated, uh, socialized back into getting back in the community. 
And the guys I work with are lifers. You know, they've been there 20, 30, 40 years. They haven't done anything, any offenses or anything, any write-ups in decades. Uh, most of them are in wheelchairs. Uh, some of them are terminally ill. Uh, and they haven't seen their kids or their grandkids or anything. And they, they couldn't commit crimes if they wanted to. Now, that said, there's guys that have did some pretty hyenas stuff back in the day. And, uh, yeah, maybe they need to stay and just do their full life term. A lot of them die in prison. I know one guy right now has been uh, behind bars for 62 years. And wow. uh, he's an old man, an old black man in a wheelchair, and he's just given up on trying to get paroled. He's just, you know, he doesn't even try anymore. It's kind of sad. Let me ask you, and, and thank you for calling so much. We really appreciate your perspective. Tell me what, what works. What, what have you seen that works uh, in order to be able to release people back into society and give them the opportunity to be successful and not return to prison or jail? What, what do you see, maybe one or two things that you think work really well for those? Well, like I said, CBT, uh, drug and alcohol, um, education, uh, I think it should be mandatory what I do for every inmate. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I get guys that come to my group. They don't want to hear anything I have to say. They're in denial about their disease. They think, you know, they did not. They're in denial about their crimes. And, you know, halfway through, you know, they, uh, you know, say, hey, you know what? You guys are right, man. Maybe I can do well. Maybe I can get out someday. And uh, just some of these guys haven't had anybody even talk to them for decades. Uh, you know, that I have guys that won't even come out of their cell for anybody else but me. I mean, they won't even come out of their cell to go see the doctor. So they trust you. you. Know, that's how, yeah, that's how miserable they are. Yeah. And so, like, when you've been behind bars for so many, you know, decades and you couldn't commit a crime if you wanted to, it'd probably be cheaper just to release them. Because uh, uh, these guys are, you know, most of the life-term people, uh, they're pretty, you know, they're kind of got it together. Now, these guys are in jail, uh, you know, the uh, frequent flyers, maybe not. And these guys that have done some really bad things, killed multiple people, no, they should never get out. You know, none of those Manson girls are ever going to get out, so. Right, well, Frank, I, I think you make a, a good point, and you've given us a, a thanks for the call, by the way, Frank, very, very enlightening uh, Frank uh, telling us now there's we need to remember that segment of the prison population, people who are, as he said, some are in wheelchairs. They've been in prison for decades, probably not going to be able to hurt anybody on the outside. Uh, he's a uh, sounds like a behavioral therapist and he's dealing with them. He's developing trust with them and all good things. And again, that's about that particular segment. Again, Frank also acknowledging there's another segment where it is dangerous uh, to uh, to let folks out. And, and I guess uh, Smiley Martin would be an example of that. Frank, thanks so much for the call. Really appreciate uh, your perspective and, and giving us some additional insight into that. Uh, for more insights, we'll go back to the phones at 209-551-3483. Have, do you have experience with a, a relative, a friend who's been in prison or in jail? What has worked? What hasn't worked, in your opinion? Well, let's find out what Zach thinks in series. Zach, welcome to the show. What's, uh, what's been your experience? 
Uh, thanks for having me on here. Uh, no, I've, I've got a cousin that he's usually been in and out of prison since he was a teenager. And, um, unfortunately I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to him and actually hear his opinions. And, uh, usually when he gets out, um, you know, he finds it difficult to find work. Um, he finds it difficult to find money. So his mindset, and he told me in these words, you know, when I get out, you know, I do as much dirt as I can, goes out, gets away with whatever crime he can, has fun. It's easier for him to get things that he wants and needs because he feel he can find the same things in prison as he can out on the streets. Uh, he has a hard time uh, checking in with probation officers and things like that, and places to live, bouncing couch to couch. So, he just knows that if uh, he gets caught, he's got it easy going back to prison. He uh, feels that he understands the ins and outs of prison life more than being with uh, regular society. So in a way for those uh, parts of the prison population that your, your cousin represents, life actually may be easier in prison than it is to try to make it on the outside. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So he's got like a routine in there. You know, they get exercise, they get yard time, they get TVs, radios, commissary. Um, you know, it's a free place to sleep and he goes in there, does his time, gets in really great shape. And then they let him out and he goes out back to his old ways because he knows if he goes back, he, he's not going to get any uh, unfair treatment. He already knows what to expect in there. Now, are we talking, let, let me clarify, too, uh, when you're talking about your cousin uh, being incarcerated, are we talking about uh, state prison, local jails, both? Um, both, mainly prison. Oh. Uh, he's, he's usually uh, in with drugs and auto theft and stuff like that. So, I mean, back when they had the three-strike rule, when he was, like, on strike two, he'd be like, oh, i got to really be careful, you know, I, I can't be doing this, and then uh, since they did away with a lot of that stuff, he's he's back in there. He's he's in prison for a good long time though now. So, well, I think from what you're saying, Zach, that the whole issue of reasonable deterrence is not there, at least in in your cousin's no. case. It might have been there at one time. No. It's no longer there, right? And and so he's thinking about I can live with the consequences. Just uh, bouncing off an earlier call, Zach, let me ask one, one final question very quickly. When Zach, uh, you're Zach, when your cousin has yeah. been uh, released off and on, is he released into other areas where he's not from, or is he released back into his old neighborhood, or does he migrate back to his old neighborhood? No, he, he gets released um, just kind of back in the general area. Um, okay. He, he sticks around to the, the areas he knows. Sometimes he'll, he'll venture out, you know, like to him, he goes and does crime in another neighborhood, but he, he always goes back to his same old neighborhood, same crowd that he's known. He, yeah, it's hard to explain for him, but he's, he's been in and out since he was probably like 17 years old and he's probably in his forties now. So, so basically this is a lifestyle of, of recidivism in and yeah. out out and he's finding it and i think one of the the points that you mentioned zach is really important and that is trying to get a job especially if uh, you have yeah. felonies trying to get a job if you have a record it's tough 
And so that requires a community partnership and a willingness of employers to say, yeah, I'll, I'll take this guy or I'll take this gal on. And that, that's not an easy uh, decision either. Zach, thanks so much for your yeah. call. Again, you bring an added dimension to this as well. So much appreciated. Uh, Zach from Siri is giving us an example of, of his cousin. And I, I think back uh, with advancing communities over the years, we have taken on as uh, volunteers um, some po- folks who have been in prison and, and jail. Uh, off and on. And we had one lady who was uh, doing really, really well, but it only takes one time. And uh, she was caught with drugs uh, in her car and uh, went back to jail, got convicted again. And and she had the opportunity and she was doing so well. It was, it was tragic. And, and really, there are no guarantees uh, in the process. Nobody's going to respond perfectly. It, it's a challenge, my friends. This, there's no... No easy answer here at all. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for your personal stories. Really appreciate that. The Mike Douglas Show continues in five minutes right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll talk about student absenteeism. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. <laughs> Local Talk is back in the Valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. Here as we wrestle down a lot of the tough issues that affect you and me right here in California's Central Valley. Been talking about our prison system in California. What works, what doesn't in terms of rehabilitation. I had some excellent calls, uh, one from Frank, who actually works in the system. Uh, He deals with behavioral therapy and uh, gave us an interesting perspective into a segment of the prison population. Many of them have been there for decades, some of them in wheelchairs, not likely uh, to go anywhere or hurt anybody, but they're likely to spend the rest of their lives there. And then uh, Zach telling us about his cousin, uh, who it's, it's happened to him. He, he, he's found that it's easier in many ways to go back to prison uh, because it's hard to find a job. And that's right. That's one of the realities here. And in many of these efforts that we've been involved in, uh, in, in my role as a community pastor and with advancing vibrant communities, it's tough uh, because you have to look at the business person saying, Okay, I'll 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 try. I'll I'll take a chance on this person. Well, if the person who's coming out of prison doesn't work out, then they're very reticent uh, to hire someone coming out of prison again. Uh, on the other hand, there are those employers who will do that, and it's wonderful that they make those opportunities available. One of the problems, and then let me just insert this from from my experience and my observation is one of the issues is that recidivism becomes somewhat addictive, somewhat because of the reasons that Zach was talking about in relation to his cousin, that it's, it's hard for someone who has spent a lot of time in prison to mainstream back into society, uh, to be able to get a job, to support themselves, to, uh, to be a good citizen. For those who do, yes, I've worked with several in my own sphere of influence who have done well, out some have been in the shoe and, uh, 
and I will say that those that I know, part of their ability to come back into society has been an adjustment in their worldview, a worldview that uh, takes on a, a, a godly worldview, one that involves uh, dedicating themselves to godly principles and such. And that that has a lot to do with it. I, when you have an amoral society that intently works against Judeo-Christian ethics, we get a lot of what we have today. And that's going to continue to be the outcome as long as society continues to demonize the Judeo-Christian ethic. Um, take my pastor's hat off uh, now. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483. I'm going to uh, switch gears a bit and talk about students in two cases. The first is we are beginning to see the deleterious results of having students having to submit to the pandemic policies we've had here in California for the past two years. We are seeing uh, terrible results from that. One of them is student absenteeism. Axios, a story that came out uh, today, is saying that absenteeism has surged during the pandemic, and it's creating another hurdle for teachers trying to get students caught up. Apparently, chronic absenteeism, and that's defined as students missing uh, at least 10% of the academic year. So chronic absenteeism, defined as missing at least 10% of the academic year, can ruin students' academic outcomes for years. They give you some stats here. Again, I'm always suspicious about stats, but I'll relate them to you. According to Axios, In Los Angeles, 46% of students in the L.A. Unified School District, L.A. Unified School District, have been 46, almost half, have been chronically absent this year or have missed at least 9% of the academic year. That according to the L.A. Times. In New York City, the chronic rate of absenteeism uh, went up to 40%. It was 26% during the 2018-2019 school year. Remember, the, the, the big restrictions came in uh, in the spring around March of 2020. New York City shot up from 26% chronic absenteeism in 2018-2019 to now a chronic rate of 40%. Ohio, the statewide chronic absenteeism rate, went from 24% in 2021 to the most recent school year, and it's uh, up from 11%. So it went from, I'm sorry, I misspoke there, 11% in 2021 to 24% in uh, 2021. All right, so just on the cusp, on the cusp of these restrictions, 2019-2020, Ohio, chronic absenteeism, 11%. Last year, 2021, up to 24%. Again, in L.A., 46% of students in their district have been chronically absent this year. 
And uh, then they break it down uh, to two races. They say in L.A., the chronic absentee rate for black students is nearly 57 percent. And the rate for Latino students is uh, 49 percent, just uh, a bit above the, the general chronic absenteeism rate. So what do we learn from this? Will we learn from this? Those of you who are parents, grandparents, maybe your guardians, what have you seen as a result, and teachers, what have you seen from the very restrictive policies of California relating to students in the schools wearing masks or not not having to go to school but being able to do it online? Now it appears almost half are saying, nah, I'm not showing up at all. In L.A., 46 of students aren't showing up. Are, are we going to be real about these statistics, or are we going to continue to deny them? 209-551-3483. What would you like school districts to do? Dr. Fauci is saying may have to go back to masks. What do you think that school districts ought to do? Should they go back to the masks as soon as their health departments in their counties raise the red flag again? Has, has that really been effective in stopping the virus? I think uh, we have done so much damage to our students that uh, some of that may be uh, irreparable down the line. Again, our phone number here, if you'd like to weigh in on that, what should schools do now to combat the public policy regarding COVID-19? 209-551-3483. Another note here regarding students. Now, these are students who uh, are a bit older than the ones we're talking about. The Biden administration uh, is planning to extend a pause once again on federal student loan payments, uh, although the proposed time frame is far shorter than what uh, is being pushed for by most Democrats. Uh, we have a report that an administrative uh, official familiar with the White House's decision-making told the Associated Press that the freeze on payments will extend through August 31st of this year. That's the plan. Payments were scheduled to resume May 1st after being halted since early on in the pandemic. Now, here's some interesting dollar figures and statistics about this. The extension, again, this is extending the time when paying back student loans would have to resume, federal student loans. The extension would apply to more than 43 million Americans. 43 million Americans. That's about the size of the population of California, who owe a combination of $1.6 trillion in student debt held by the federal government. That's according to the Education Department. So the Biden administration is planning to say to borrowers, you're not going to have to make any payments until after August 31st. Interest rates are expected to remain at 0%. Uh, Senator Patty Murray, a Democrat from Washington, said more time is needed to help Americans prepare 
for repayment and to rethink the government's existing system for repaying student debt. She says it's ruining lives and holding people back. Borrowers are struggling with rising costs, struggling to get their feet back under them after public health and economic crises, and struggling with a broken student loan system. All this is felt especially hard by borrowers of color. Well, what do you... Let's let's talk about this in a, in a few minutes. Let, let's think through this. Who is paying the freight on these student loans that are not being repaid? Where's that money coming from? What are the schools doing that incurred the debt and passed that on to the students for their debt? Schools, universities, colleges have costs. Uh, They pass it on uh, to the students who ultimately, if if they keep extending this or as many are asking, they totally forgive the loan, who's stuck with the bill? Somebody has to pay it, right? Oh, no, Mike, we'll just just print more money. Just tell them to print more money. That'll take care of it. Yeah, that'll also uh, continue to head us into spiraling inflation. I mean, I understand the problems of paying back student loans. That's part of what you do when you take out the loan, is you pay it back. What do you think ought to happen? Should they totally forgive the loans? Should they extend it, the payment, repayment to August 31st, and apparently at 0% interest? What do you think? 09 551 3483. We'll talk about that in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here. Thank you so much for joining us Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m., right here again on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. So much appreciate iHeartMedia providing us. The two hours that we have now that we began back in uh, mid-February, really enjoy that extra hour and uh, enjoy talking about these issues with you. Thinking a little deeper or more deeply into the subject of repaying federal student loans, there is a push to forgive these loans entirely and to provide free education. Do you think there should be free education if people want it? And I'm talking about college, university level. Should we as a society pay for people's college and university education? 209-551-3483. We'll go back to the phones and uh, Marcy in Modesto. Marcy, welcome to the show. Uh, What are your thoughts this afternoon?
I'm a 52-year-old woman, and I'm going to school part-time, and I'm paying my way as I work. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. Marcy, your your cell phone blipped a little bit there. Did you say you are currently in, in college or university? Yes. I work part-time, and I go to school part-time, and I'm paying my way, and I choose not to get loans. So, well, and, and the and problem Marcy, is the people, that, um, the people that, you know, obey the law and do the right thing are the ones that end up paying for everybody else, and that is so mm-hmm. frustrating. That is that is frustrating. And, and Marcy, your story applies to thousands and thousands of people across the nation. Uh, those are exactly. you know, people who have worked uh, through college um, and, and not everybody can get a loan. Not everybody can get a, a scholarship. And so I Marcy, I want to affirm you and, and, and say you're. You're doing it in a healthy way. Let me let me put it that way. So before I let you go very quickly, how does it make you feel uh, personally about working your own way through paying your own way through college? Um, I think it's, I, I think it instills a little bit of pride. I, I know pride's maybe not good, but um, I feel like it gives me confidence that I can accomplish more things mm. and. Uh, Absolutely. I, I think the whole process is about developing life skills, Marcy. And uh, just out of curiosity, you don't have to share it with us, but out of curiosity, what's your major? What are, what are, your, uh, what are your goals for uh, putting that education to use? Yeah, so I originally went back to school to become a dietitian, but um, I had some trouble along the way. I changed majors. I got my uh, was going to go into nursing, and then with the pandemic, that changed my mind as well. So currently, I have an AA in natural science, but I'm taking some welding classes. Good for you. Good for you. Marcy, yeah. keep on keeping on. And again, I, I think you're, you. you're doing this in a very healthy way, and I appreciate your comments about it. It, it, it gives you an appropriate pride in, in what you do and earning your own way. Marcy, thanks so much for the call. Really appreciate that. I, I, I think there's a benefit, and Marcy brings this up, by the way, a good point, and that is that the college and the university experience is not just about the learning, about learning whatever your particular major has to be. The college and university experience, a lot of it is about developing life skills that you're going to need very quickly out in the real world, where you're not coddled, where you're not taken care of, where people are going to say things to you that you may take offense at, and you learn how to deal with that. It, it, the college and university experience should be about learning how to deal with life in addition to those areas of your particular major and your particular, uh, particular study. And part of Marcy's experience, I think, in in terms of self-supporting, working her way uh, through college, paying her own freight, so to speak, in the process, there are great life lessons just embedded in that. And and, and again, I, I come back to this issue of free college, free college. There is no free college. 
Who who do you think pays for free college? Well, you you and I do. You and I do. We pay for other people's so-called free college. And so I uh I am not a fan of providing free education. I am all for education. But and let me put conjunction in there, but however, I don't believe that everyone ought to go to college or to university. What? Well, Mike, you've you got an AA, a BA, MA, you've done doctoral studies. How can you say that? Well, because there are some people, and in fact, uh, I, I just I just did a, uh, a memorial service for a guy that did go to college, uh, and he was uh, studying finance, and he turned he, he just couldn't stand it. He, he just couldn't stand being at a desk, having to work with numbers all the time, and so he uh, he, I, he what he loved to do was work with his hands, and that's where he needed to go. So he became a foreman eventually with the uh, uh, Pipe Fitters Union and had a very successful uh, career. They flew him apparently all over the nation because of his uh, his skill at, at what he did. Here was the guy, he was brilliant, and he could have been an accountant, but he knew as soon as he got a little taste of that in the, in the schooling arena, that was not for him. He wanted to be his own man. He wanted to work with his hands. Uh, he wanted to be productive in, in different ways. And so, uh, again, I don't believe that every the colleges and universities are for everyone. I'm, I'm big on uh, providing trade school opportunities for folks because there's many people that, that are very good with their hands, can't stand the classroom. And I understand that. I got really tired of it myself. Uh, can't stand the classroom, but they they are great. They're great thinkers. They're great problem solvers, uh, and 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 they can become extremely productive and wealthy members of society. So I really think it's how God has wired you, in terms of uh, of all that. Well, listen. Thanks for joining us today on the Mike Douglas Show. I will look forward to seeing you tomorrow at three o'clock here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty. KFIV. Have a wonderful evening. Again, we'll see you tomorrow at 3. Trevor Carey coming up. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. 
you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.